Hello and welcome to the Native and the Transplant. I'm your native, Alex Johnson. And I'm your transplant, Jen Bryant. Jen, another week, another episode. Yeah, here we go. <laughs> How are you? Oh, I'm, I'm decent. It's uh, actually today's my Friday, so I'm super. Fantastic. That's mm-hmm. awesome. And, and there's no snow I know, it's for right now. I, I'm excited because being able to get out on the motorcycle a little bit. So Yeah, please be careful though. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, please be careful. I'm glad you wear a helmet. I know you ride safe, yeah. so then <laughs> yes. just, you know being in the emergency rooms. Yes. So we've got quite a bit to talk about on this episode, and this is the first episode in a while that we don't have a guest. Yeah. Yeah. We can kind of catch up on some goings on. And a lot of goings on. Yeah. Do you guys have your popcorn ready? Oh, so whether you were talking about Loveland City Council, which that one's also, again, the reason for popcorn, you've got Amazon coming into Loveland. Yeah. You've got a new resort that is trying to get off the ground. Yeah. Yep. You've got everything going on with inflation, oh oil and gosh. gas, oil and gas. You name it. So oh, it's all over the place this week. I was going to say so. Buckle in. But before we get started on that, definitely want to thank our sponsor for this episode, which is Aslan Home Lending. So I myself work for Aslan Home Lending. Right now is an interesting time within the mortgage industry and within house buying in general is a lot of people are now all of a sudden shopping for a home and seeing that interest rates are in the fours instead of in the twos. Yep, they're going up. So a lot of people are losing fifty, sixty, seventy thousand $70,000 of purchasing power going into a very hot market that's still climbing at 7, 10, 12%, depending on the area that you're in. So it's important to be able to work with a broker that has a lot of different options available to you. So not just dealing with one particular retail lender or one particular bank, but Aslan Home Lending works with over 60 different investors that has a loan program for almost everybody. And so the other aspect of it is even though interest rates are going up, if your mortgage interest rates are going up, your interest rates on your car loans, your interest rates on your credit cards, those are going up. There's still an opportunity to do a cash out refinance, do some consolidation and get yourself into a better spot moving forward. Yeah, this is not the time to be financially (laughs) unstable. Yes, yes. So my NMLS is 1368147. Aslan NMLS is 1868120. Feel free, reach out to me for a mortgage consultation at 970 580183 or alexj at aslanhlc.com. Nice. Okay. Well, let's get into it. What do you want to start with? <laughs> um, okay. I think we should talk about Amazon first. Okay. So last week I was saying that it looked like Amazon had bought the, what is it, uh, 22? 2.4 million square feet. 2.4 million square feet. And there was, I mean, just huge. And it was very obvious that something was coming. Yes. So they have now confirmed that they are building a distribution center out there uh, and that it's going to approximately a thousand jobs. It's going to bring that many jobs to this area. So in the location where it's at is just to the north and to the east of Loveland for Collins airport. Yeah. yeah. So uh, still on the west side of I-25, but before you get to that, gosh, what is that road on um, the north side of the airport? You know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, is it County road? It's, it goes around the backside of that neighborhood by Boyd yep. Lake and there's, oh gosh, I, I could, you know, yeah, you I could know drive the there. road. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah <laughs> so yeah. it's right in that corner as far as kind of that road and I-25 yeah. is where the new fulfillment uh, center is going to be. Again, a thousand jobs that are coming to town, starting wage of 15 bucks an hour. Yeah. There are going to be some, uh, some, 
positions that are going to be higher than $15 an hour. And then Amazon typically has a um, an incentive raise. What am I trying to say? It's their overall increments about every 90 days you have the yeah. opportunity for uh, an incentive raise. So I don't know. What are your thoughts on it? Why, why are you concerned? You've given me some interesting looks on it. Yeah. So I, I'm concerned in a couple of different areas, but then also I feel like it's a, it's a big thing to have Amazon come out here and, and realistically it's going to increase. Well, okay. So you're always concerned about you buy something on the internet or from across the country. And then there's all the, the economical or the ecological cost of shipping and all of that. And you try to buy local. I always try to buy local. I know you do too. I mean, it's, that's why we do our beer of the week from local breweries, right? Yeah. But so I think it would decrease some of that because it's so close to this area. And also, you know, we're a pretty, we're, we're up and coming right now. Northern Colorado is absolutely booming where you have other areas that maybe things, economic downturn, all of those, and, and people are losing their jobs everywhere, et cetera, et cetera. But it's not really happening here. Um, to some extent, of course, we went through the last two years of the service industry being absolutely demolished by COVID. But I'm concerned because, number one, what is the infrastructure going to look like out there? And is that just going to make that whole area even bigger of a nightmare to go through? We've got all this. Yeah, you're laughing at me. But the other thing is, is, you know, $15 an hour is not really a livable wage. Granted, there are incentive raises that are happening pretty often out there. But also, there's a lot of talk about Amazon being pretty abusive to their employees. I would be concerned that, you know, I don't know. There's there's so many sides to the whole thing. And we're lining Bezos' pockets, of course. But it also brings a lot of a lot more industry to this area. It does. So it boils down to the consumer. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I would, <laughs> I would, yes, I, I would say for sure. And you know, there's, we're always talking about the race for the almighty dollar, right? It just seems to me a lot of people are going to take issue with it because they're lower paying jobs, but are I, they? Well, not uh, necessarily. The reason why I say are they is you look at any fast food restaurant that mm-hmm. uh, you look at any gas station, you look at any of the smaller entities and you look at even just restaurants as far as that are, they're relying on tips where they're getting paid, what, five, seven bucks an hour or something. And then, um, um, basing everything else on tips. So you look at it where $15 an hour, it's a corporation that can, can come in and be able to pay a thousand people at $15 an hour and then have incentive raises and move them up to 18, 20, 22 bucks an hour, whatever it may be. Yeah. So there's opportunity for growth in a manner in which you don't get with the mom and pops. It's true. Yeah, you're not wrong. Well, the other thing about that is, though, is, you know, like $15 an hour, that's the starting point. And a lot of people that go out there really don't have a skill that would allow them to go into an industry like being a mechanic or being a nurse or the mortgage business, you know, sales, those kinds of things. And it, it's a, at, at the very least, it's a starting point. Okay. So a lot of people took McDonald's to task because they didn't pay their people more than minimum wage, right? I watched so many people climb up through the fast food chain, Wendy's, McDonald's, mm-hmm. all of them, and become leaders and become <laughs> pillars of the community. I can think of one very specifically right now. Yeah, we've got a good friend that's a, a regional manager for a local fast food joint. Yeah. Does very well for himself. Absolutely. And, you know, the thing is, is it's not like through hard work you can't continue that job growth. 
And it does offer the opportunity for people who, okay, right now they're saying, well, $15 an hour is not a livable wage. Right. But at that point, start, you're starting at the bottom and you're working your way, way up and you're building a career. So to some extent, I guess I'm kind of torn on that. I, and you know what? I mean, here's the thing. That is the way of the world right now, man. <laughs> That's how that boy, I, would you have made it through the pandemic if you weren't able to get things on Amazon? No, no. I mean, there's just, there's nothing nope. to it. You know what I mean? Yes, of course. I'm sure it was very profitable for, for Amazon, but if you couldn't go to a store and you could have it delivered the next day to your house that you're not supposed to leave and you're concerned about the welfare and well-being of your family, guess where you get it? Yeah, it, it truly has changed the dynamic of consumerism Yeah, uh, so. with Amazon and bringing somebody like Amazon. Uh, let me go about this a little bit different way. Part of the reason why we're looked at here in northern Colorado as a hub. Yeah. So not only are they building a new terminal at the airport, yeah. which is going to bring in more. Avello's already talking about uh, new uh, new lines, new routes yep. to other areas of the country. So you have that growth. But the reason why Northern Colorado has been able to sustain, and we're kind of in a little bit of a bubble here, even though it may not seem like it from time to time, is because of how diverse our industry is. Yeah. Being in the mortgage industry, I looked at it where I was thinking that we would see a downturn if we lost a major industry. Absolutely. With Senate Bill 181, we saw a major industry, oil and gas. We saw that collapse within Northern Colorado and yeah. even within, so moratorium in Larimer County, we saw everything happened with those new restrictions within Weld County, yep. prices still kept on going up. Right. And the reason for that is because of how diverse we are within our industry here in Northern Colorado. Yeah. So we have education. We have, so not only UNC, CSU, Ames, Front Range. Front Range does a massive job. Yeah. Uh, as far as a community college is concerned. Huge. You, and, and they're actually just opening a new campus in Windsor. Yes. They, the, yeah. Yeah. They're expanding that campus. And so you look at all of that and you look at the overall community developments. You look mm -hmm. at everything that's going on within northern Colorado. It is a hub within the nation of growth. Big time. And a growth that it would take – Dare I say it? It would take nuclear war to stop the growth in northern Colorado. I, could, I would, and even then, oh, I don't know where's the where's the cloud. <laughs> so based on, <laughs> based funny, off but... of the twenty twenty census, we are expected to grow by four hundred thousand people within the next ten years. Yeah. So you have a lot of the infrastructure projects that are already taking place. You have I twenty five corridor. You have all of that that is being. Uh, built out right now. Yeah, which is great. And they, the fact that they got the additional, what was it, 150 or $200 million to be able to do the extra wide shoulders. So that way, when it goes from a two plus one, as far as two main lanes and one yeah. managed lane, yeah. all they have to do is restripe it and it'll be a three plus one. See, that'll be fantastic. So, that was good planning, honestly. Correct. And so they're putting things in place to be able to, to handle the growth that we have coming in. But again, to be able to handle the growth that's coming in, we need to also have some of this extra industry yeah, where true. you have Amazon coming in. You have um, the Rocky Mountain Grand Resort that they're planning. Yeah. So Martin Lynn, that just all went live yesterday or today as far as – and that's going to be right next door to the Amazon uh, uh, facility is that's a 400-room resort with an 85,000-square-foot water park all right by the airport. Well, and then we'll have with the new 
terminal at the airport, we're going to have an increase in traffic coming into the area. Correct. And and I don't have to tell you this, but I mean, Loveland is the gateway to the Rockies. If we can keep some of that business down here, imagine what we could do. I mean, okay, not everybody likes tourism. I don't like to go up to Estes Park during tourist season. I don't know about you. <laughs> what, you don't like sitting in your car for two and a half hours waiting to get into downtown Estes? Not my jam. No, but here's the thing. That is the industry that is working for us right now. And if yeah. we if we don't cultivate that, it's going to be a problem because we need to take advantage of that debt, that revenue coming into our city. I mean, it's like downtown. We have multiple restaurants and bars and restaurants – or not restaurants – Um. Uh, businesses are all coming into downtown Loveland and it's really being revitalized. Downtown used to be a pretty big hub 50 years ago and that's where everybody came through. But then of course it kind of moves away from. It moved away from downtown onto 34 and people driving right through. So, but with all of the growth that we're having, we're attracting the attention nationwide right now. Yeah, we are. And not just for stuff like, the, litigation <laughs> <laughs> not just dealing with loveland pd and some of that stuff um one of the big things that we have coming in june is ims which is the international motorcycle show yeah so of we're essentially kicking it off in june at the ranch yeah so you have ducati bmw honda indian harley davidson you have all of the major manufacturers that are coming out to the ranch i think it's june uh 17th through the 19th or june it's either that or the 18th through the 20th all of the other cities that that show is going to mm-hmm. chicago new york atlanta uh san francisco orange county uh scottsdale and loveland colorado Yep, we're on the list. <laughs> well, you know, and it's it's interesting because, I mean, I think Loveland's always tried for the notoriety that we're the sweetheart city, right? We can really capitalize on this. I mean, at some point, we have to accept that this growth is coming and we're not going to stop it. So we have to figure out a way to do that in a manner that is beneficial to the community, but also continues to produce revenue. And yeah. I think, you know, you just were talking about the resort that's coming. My only issue with that is that we're building this huge resort that has the water park inside, <laughs> and we already have a water issue. We do. We do. And do you know why? Why? So we have two main water projects. So you have Chimney Hollow that is under construction right now. Yep. And then you have NISP, which is the northern um, – I forget what the acronym, but it is the uh, the re- reservoir north of Fort Collins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Initially, when they uh, when they proposed both of those projects, it was going to be about three to five years to get through all the red tape to be able to start construction. Yeah, Chimney Hollow was fourteen years. Yeah, NISP is fifteen years and counting. That's ridiculous. That's <laughs> ridiculous. Did, did the look on my face? Yeah, I, it, ridiculous. The, and the amount of money spent <laughs> in litigation be, because of environmental firms. And right. there's a handful of people that look at it from the environmental side and they have this culture of zero growth as well, where they don't want people to move in. So there's plenty of water as long as nobody else moves here. Yeah. It's ours. You can't have it and exactly. you're not allowed to be here. And so, but the problem is, is that now we've wasted in Northern Colorado, uh, the municipalities, I think there's 11 municipalities involved that they have wasted tens of millions of dollars through litigation yep. on these projects. And now, That's we're, the goal. and now we're stuck in a situation where we're lacking water. 
Yeah. Because we could have had these things up and running and providing water to the front range. Correct. Well, see what's frustrating about that. And I, you know, like I've, I've, I've said before, it was just like what John, Jean Marc was saying where, where, you know, being stewards of the environment is a pretty important thing. And we have to make sure that we take care of our communities, but that also doesn't, it, it doesn't mean that that means we stop everything and we don't do anything to fix the problems or have any growth. Cause that's going to keep happening. Yeah. It's going to keep going. It's dealing with adaptation. And yeah. this is the, the frustration and you can go back. We did a, a whole podcast on climate change. Um, and my frustrations with it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not saying that I don't want clean air. I don't want clean water. I'm not saying that climate change doesn't exist. What I, I get so infuriated about, and this is happening with the build back better bill. This is happening with everything else with dealing with oil and gas where everybody's talking about all of these things and the environmental impact on it. And yet they fail to realize that how much petroleum it takes to build a windmill yeah. or to build solar panels. That's all for Or to build electric vehicles. And, yeah. And when we had last week, California put a limit on when you can charge your electric vehicles at your house because the grid's going down. And so you have this happening right now in California as they're trying to promote more and more electric vehicles across the nation as we have a strained power grid that is already starting to go down and they're having to do rolling brownouts just to maintain and to keep it keep it up. Right, because the infrastructure is not in place for us to switch over to all electric vehicles. And, it's not even a possibility. And yet at this point in time, and we <laughs> talked about this a little bit last week, yet we, I'm, it's at the point where environmentalists aren't just taking us out at the knees. They're, they're taking us out at the jugular. That's true. And they're trying to cripple the economy. They're trying to cripple everybody's ability to just live their life for some semblance of maybe decreasing the overall global temperature by a half a degree. Yet at this point in time, they're also in the same sentence, many times in the same sentence, they're saying that we're already past that because we've already seen it four times that we had 10 years until it was irreversible. And yet not a single one of these bills is being proactive as far as how we're going to deal with all of these things that are coming down the line. How are we going to actually adapt to our new environment? Well, so I would liken some of the behavior of the environmentalists. And I, like I said, I, I, I do things in my own personal life. I recycle and I try to actually, I don't even really put anything in a recycle bin. If I don't have to, I try to use it as many times as possible because, you know, we found out Northern Colorado is like, I think it was Loveland, wasn't it? That mm-hmm. recycled the most in the state. Yeah. But we are now being told that everything we're recycling Maybe 10% of it is actually recycled. Most of it's ending up in the landfill because we don't have the ability to do anything with it. <laughs> so on a side note, I was uh, down at uh, down at a funeral last Saturday, and I was talking with a, a couple of family members and that sort of stuff down there. And I asked him, I said, do you guys recycle? I was throwing a can away. I'm like, do you guys recycle? And he's like, no, because they charge us extra every single month to recycle. And I've watched them too many times take the recycling bin and throw it into the exact same trash truck as the trash. So what they're doing is they're charging us a fee to not feel guilty about doing something to the environment, but they're doing it for us anyway. (laughs) It's like driving a Prius. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. So there was, I forget the comedian, but he's, he made the comment or the, uh, the quip about Prius drivers and why Priuses are so ugly 
It's so you can anonymously tell the world the good deeds that you're doing anonymously. Oh yes, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> well, I was, what I was going to say actually, um, is, you know, the, the, the whole idea of recycling and doing all these things. Yes, we need to be mindful of things. And so we can do little things like if you're, you know, you're going to run an errand, but it's around the block. Don't drive your car. Just walk down there. Right. I mean, it's fine. Well, and with the cost of gas going. <laughs> Heck yeah. I, I'm polishing <laughs> off my bike. So at that point in time, I think that's another reason why IMS is coming to Loveland is it gives a lot of people an opportunity to see the motorcycles that are out there because shoot at that point in time, if you yeah. can hop on a motorcycle that gets 50 to 60 miles to the gallon versus driving a truck. Oh gosh. I'm, I'm not sure how I would feel about riding. About, I mean, you're very brave. I don't think I would feel great about doing it here in Northern Colorado. Cause I just don't think people pay enough attention. It makes me scared. See, honestly, I'm going to fight you on that okay, because with, especially with Thunder, uh, Thunder Mountain yeah. with Thunder in the Rockies, I've ridden in a lot of places around, around the nation. And I will tell you that here in Northern Colorado, because of how active motorcycling is, especially with Estes Park, especially with Rocky Mountain National Park, and how many people will travel here to ride these roads that are in our backyard, I, many people are very conscious about motorcyclists here. Now, again, you have some of the, the idiots on both sides, sure. as far as people not watching for motorcyclists, and then you also have some idiot motorcycle riders that they don't care. Yeah, I, I saw a fatal accident last week. But, yeah, I mean, you know, it's but I, I also think that some of it is um, not expecting somebody to be somewhere and and not and being distracted while you're driving and the texting thing and all of that. I, I would concur with that though. So, would you contend that Northern Colorado is safer than in a lot of other areas? Yeah. I would much rather ride in northern Colorado than down in Denver. Oh, gosh, me too. Or in Vegas or... Houston. <laughs> in California, any of those oh, places. yeah. I mean, we, um, my husband was in a motorcycle group. Um, he had a Ducati in southern California, and there he used to ride with this group, and two of the guys in the group were actually killed intentionally by somebody on a ride that they all liked to take because the, the guy was really angry that they were driving by his house. And so he was dooring them, you know, dooring, yeah. you know, when he opened the door to stop the motorcyclist from coming or white lining because white lining is legal in California. Yep. Anyway, I digress. Here's what I was going to say. These environmentalists, what happens is, is like they're taking us out of the jugular because they're going to push their agenda and you darn well better be on board or they're going to make your life a miserable mess. Because if you think about this, they are backed by people like the people that talked at the council meeting in Fort Collins or people in Boulder or, you know, people that have huge patches of land because they've made all their money and now they want to keep it beautiful. But they made their money doing pretty much the same thing everybody else did, like, you know, um, polis with oil. OK, <laughs> so I'm just throwing it out there. Yeah. But it's much like PETA. Right. PETA, people for the ethical treatment of animals, goes to very big extremes to put out their message of fur is bad, meat is murder, all of these things. Do you know that PETA actually is, is their organization actually euthanizes more animals than, than anyone else can Anyone else combined. 85% of the animals in PETA's care end up euthanized. 85%? As far as the statistics that we're allowed to see, the closest yeah, number yeah, I've yeah. seen has been 85% of the animals that in their care yeah. or that they're watching over end up euthanized. Well, and it's, it's basically domestic terrorism when they're throwing pain on people and, and doing horrible things to protest what they believe is wrong. 
you know, I'm not a big meat eater and I, I, we've talked about it before. I was vegetarian for 25 years, not because I had any issue with eating meat. It's just really not, I mean, honestly, I, I kind of have an aversion to it. <laughs> um, just, it's just not my jam, but I'm disappointed in you, <laughs> I, but it is, it is your way. That's perfectly yeah. fine. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and this is what the environmentalists are doing. It's gotten to the extreme and I, and I don't want this entire episode to be about climate change or about environmentalism. No. Um, but you look at an awful lot of them and it's become a religion is they, oh, yeah. and it, they don't know, they don't know their own hypocrisy. And the reason we had talked about this, about uh, the last show we had mentioned about the hundred people that showed up to protest oil and gas, yeah, that yeah. every single one of them showed up in a car. Every single one of them had a cell phone. Every single one of them had cardboard, mm-hmm. had paper, had markers, had ink. Mm-hmm. You go down the list of all of the creature comforts that are produced or in some way facilitated by oil and gas. It's everything. Yeah. And then here's it the is thing. It is everything. Then they tout out these people that something has happened. And, you know, it's just one or two people. And they, they number one, they bastardize it. And number two, they use those people's trauma to push their agenda. And I think that that it's an, an interesting parallel because what happens and, and you just said it, they go to the extreme and that is happening in so many different arenas right now, the political arenas in, in oil and, you know, oil and gas in environmentalists in the PETA people. I, I, I could probably list 50,000 people or organizations that are going totally to the extreme. And it's interesting. And I'm going to foray us into a new topic here because the exact thing, exact same thing is happening in the Loveland city council right now. <laughs> yeah. Every one of these council members needs to take a, two day vacation and sit down and think about their actions and they need to be put in timeout because this is getting totally ridiculous. I'm almost thinking that they need to, uh, bring back the, the get along shirts. Do you remember those from childhood? Oh yeah. My kids hated them. Yeah. As far as yeah. you, you get the extra large or the double XL shirt and you put them both in the same shirt. Yeah. I'll make them. <laughs> No, but dealing with Loveland City Council, so yes, you have everything that's happening within City Council, but then you have a small minority of the population within Loveland, about 250, 300 people, that are the most vocal. Absolutely, and, and, and they have a right to be vocal, but they are stirring the pot. I, I would concur with that so much because we've got all these Cora requests. I'm going to have you go into the Cora requests in just a minute because I don't <laughs> totally understand everything, but... We had this um, accusation against Don Overcash that he was having some sort of affair. Um, th- there's all these, well, we're pulling all your text messages and all of that. You know, I, I got to be honest, like I, I totally understand you're a public figure and, and maybe you can explain this to me because you're a public figure and you have your personal cell phone and yes, you do conduct some business on there, but is the city paying for their personal cell phones? To my knowledge, No. Okay, so here's the thing. If I'm at work and I want to talk crap about somebody I'm at work with and I text somebody that I work with, if my boss came up to me and said, hey, listen, we're going to go through your cell phone and we're going to read all this stuff and then we're going to give you an absolute rash of heck on this thing and everybody's going to see exactly what you've been talking about and venting your frustrations, I would be fired. Okay, and I don't really (laughs) talk a lot of crap about my coworkers, but you know, you vent to each other about stuff and you talk to each other about things. I, I gotta be honest, unless it's a quorum, 
Is that what, the, like the four, so remember the whole sunshine thing? Yeah, so that's where a lot of this is, has stemmed from is because okay. there were violations of the sun, sunshine laws. And a lot of this actually, it boils down to COVID and it boils down to the lockdowns. So whenever there is a quorum or whenever there is a majority yeah. that are talking on any aspect. So if you out to out to coffee and there's four counselors there, then it needs to be recorded and it needs to be public record. Fine. Well, the same thing on an email thread or the same thing yeah. on a text thread. Sure. So when the lockdowns happened, that's when everything changed because they were trying to figure out how how do we move forward with this? Yeah, just trying to and trying it, to find a solution. This wasn't just Loveland City Council. This was almost every city council that was dealing with this on as far as how do we how do we approach meetings? How do we run the town? How do we communicate with each other? Right. And so that's where with the sunshine laws is okay, does everything is everything now open record? And so even um the town manager, he released a statement. Uh, uh Steve uh, I'd have to look. Yeah, it's yeah. skipping my my <laughs> mind at the moment. But even the town uh manager, he put out a statement saying there's an awful lot of gray area when we're dealing with private text messages. You know, I can tell you that with myself, I'm running for the Berthed Board of Trustees, but if someone came and wanted my personal text messages from me and my clients, absolutely not. That is private information. That is not public record. You aren't getting it. Yeah, shove it. Now, I mean, I have stronger words for that, but it, it, I think that would be a major violation of the privacy that you have between your clients. Correct. And so like Don Overcash, for instance, he is with Stetler um, Learning. Yeah, yeah. And so he deals with a, an awful lot of business owners and that sort of stuff where he is communicating with them. So I can understand why he had the pushback of, no, I'm not going to give you all of my text messages. And then it's dealing with, okay, so how many text messages and then who you're texting within city? Is it another counselor? Is it somebody else? Um, and where is that black and white and gray area on what can be a core request versus what is not? Right there, because it seems to me that if I decided I wanted to know something about you and I put in a quarrel request, you're a public figure. I, I feel like that's kind of a violation. I'm just so throwing it out there. I'll put it out there real quick. So if anybody doesn't know what a quarrel request is, that's the Colorado Open Records Act. And um, so that is used as far as just being able to figure out and open the communication, um, anything behind the scenes. Yeah, I think there's a pretty file, fine line. And we filed a couple of core requests and that sort of stuff. Um, shoot, when we had Kane on, Kane's been throwing core requests to everybody in northern Colorado, it seems. And there is an expense to that as well. Yeah, you'd have to pay for it, right? Yeah. Correct. And depending on what it is. And so that's where it's also looking at at this point in time with Loveland City Council, with all of these core requests that are going back to back to back to back to back, is a lot of the counselors are fine. Here's a batch of my text messages dealing with just city council them. and just release them. Yeah. Well, and I mean, I think that that's a, a stand-up thing for anybody really to do that, but I do think that there's a fine line. And and as a city council member, that doesn't mean that your entire life is an open book. And and, and just real quick too, um, tell me about the outcome of these core requests was very specific for Kelly Jones. Um, what is her job? So she's, I believe, with the planning commission. Yeah, I think so. And or the um, 
Shoot, you put me on the spot on that one. I'm, I'm so sorry, but my <laughs> I apologize. My entire point was actually just to basically say, it sounds like to me, there were some pretty big accusations being thrown around that Don was having an affair or that all of these shady business things were coming out. And I, you know, like him or not, it sounds like that was not true. And there's some pretty serious slander going on here. I'm just throwing it out there. And I know because there's oh, – but here's here's the bottom line, Alex. It doesn't even really matter because what's happening is our city council is tons of infighting, these ridiculous hot messes. They can't even deal with the chief of police who's now left, of course, but they can't even deal with the chief of police who isn't running his force. And, and, and obviously take this with a grain of salt because I think that like I, I've said before – that we have a lot of really wonderful officers, but there is obviously some bad eggs and some bad culture that needs to change. And the reality of it is they didn't even deal with that because they were all fighting about text messages. Get over it. You are <laughs> adults. You're adults. This is so. I use that term loosely at this point <clears throat> okay, in time. Okay, they're of legal age. <laughs> uh, no, but what I mean by that is like here we're watching this and it's like popcorn, but the reality of it is it has some very serious implications on our city because things are not happening because they're spending their time backbiting and fighting. Very much so. And so Troy Crinning, um, it looks like the lawsuit is going forward, and that's going to be next week on the 29th. So we'll have some more about this next week as far as what's what's happening. This is the lawsuit that was on behalf of Jackie Marsh, yes. our mayor. Yep. Okay, well, I mean, you know, to some extent – I feel like if you're attacked and attacked and attacked, then you do fight back at some point. They're all attacking each other. That's the problem. Who do you fight back against? Because the guy sitting next to you is probably doing something behind your back. I, this, this, it's a swamp. This is seventh graders. This is seventh <laughs> graders. This is, this is, she said this, he said that. I can't believe this happened. Blah, blah, blah. I'm going to go tell the teacher. And then every single one of them is like, you're all just as guilty, every single one of you. And then they all shut their mouths. No, we didn't do anything wrong. Come on. It doesn't just happen in Loveland. You know, this has definitely oh, been the most vocal, but we've seen seen it here in Berthoud. We've seen it in Fort Collins. The interesting thing with Loveland and why I think it's gotten to this extent is because it is split. Whoa, as far as you have eight city councilors. Four of them on the right, four of them on the left, and you've got the mayor in the middle. Yeah, I thought they weren't supposed to be. I thought it was supposed to be nonpartisan. <laughs> there, that's it right there. Yep, there it is. Okay. No, I got it. Okay, I understand now. It's supposed to be. <laughs> well, and I'm it's sorry. I, I don't always understand but kind it, of the ins and outs of that. but It's the <clears throat> understanding the belief system that somebody goes off of. You know, it's – the reason why – you know, I think I'm just going to dive into this. Um, one it. of the things that with a lot of people that I've been talking about, uh, religion comes up quite a bit. They ask me, am I religious and that sort of stuff? And I say, I'm spiritual. I'm not religious. I had a very tumultuous upbringing within religion and religious yeah. organizations. The frustration that I have, and you're seeing this all around now, especially with dealing with abortion, dealing with trans rights, dealing with everything under the sun, is I wish, I wish that all of these politicians – would have the argument and never bring religion into it. 100%. And the reason why I state that is because the moment that you bring up that the Bible says this or that the Quran says this or anything of that sort, yeah. you lose half the population at that moment. And it has no p place in the political arena. And so you don't 
you can no longer have the conversation that you're wanting to have because you brought religion into it. We could go back to a few different interviews where we've, I've literally sat back and said, I respectfully disagree because that's just not, that's not my belief system. That's not how I feel about that. Here's the thing. Our politicians all the way down to the city council need to take a step back and say, am I imposing my own personal will on this city in my job? And am I pushing an agenda that has nothing to do with the good of the city? That's I'm sticking to it. I'm going to play devil's advocate with you. Do it. (laughs) And the reason why is because as an elected official, you're elected because you align your thought processes with the majority of the people that elected you. Mm -hmm. Now, in Loveland's a perfect example, Joe Mallow, one by one vote. Andrea Sampson, Mm -hmm. one by three votes. Yep. So, yes, technically it's a majority, but you're right on the cuff. Right. And at that point in time, you have to balance, okay, yes, I have my own personal belief system and I'm going off of, off of that, but I also have to understand my constituents and be able to say, okay, the true point of a good politician in my view is if they are willing to vote for something that they may disagree with, but it's what the people want. Well, I would actually submit that you and I are saying almost the exact same thing. Almost. In the sense that what we're saying is you have to remove if, – if you believe one way and your constituents all believe that same way, then you're making a decision for your constituents that is aligned with what they want. But if you are making a decision based on your own personal beliefs and your own personal agenda, you are not representing the people that you are supposed to. Tell me why not. No, I, I, I'm not disagreeing with you on that because I understand your point of view on yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. But I can also tell you that from one of the only people that I know that read the CARES Act yeah. and all of the, the other – The whole thing. You did every single page. <laughs> on oh. A lot of these bills that I've read, I've read every single page. I, I swear I'm not psychotic. I just enjoy politics and I actually want to know what's in these bills that are being passed. But yeah. – when you actually dive in and you read about something or you've done study uh, study sessions on a development, for instance, mm-hmm. and you've done it for a couple of months, some of them, I mean, shoot, even TPC and Berthed was 16 years in the making yeah. to yeah. get to the point where, at, where we are at right now. Yeah. There's an awful lot of people that they don't understand everything that has gone into it and all they're seeing is the groundbreaking. Right. And now they have an issue with it where they could have had a point. They could have been able to say something 10 years ago, but now they want to make a big issue of it right now when all of these developments have been, and this is all across Northern Colorado. The average development is probably two to three, if not five to seven years in the making before they ever break ground. Yeah. I mean, how long do you think that the McWinnies have been basically biding their time waiting for the perfect time to frack out there? Years, years and years and years. Well, and I, I would tend to agree with that. And I think, I think what happens is people then pick their one thing and you know why? Because now it affects them directly. (laughs) This is why 
Oh God, here we go. <laughs> this is why it's important to get involved in local politics in your own community, because if you do not know what's going on, something like the fracking thing that has been in the works for a very long time, I'm, I'm, I'm irritated about it. And I'll tell you, two years ago, I was one of those people. I, oh gosh, almost maybe three years ago. Um, but I wasn't paying attention to what was going on. And I just really didn't care. I don't care. Let me fill up my tank. Let me go to work. Let me do my job. I don't care. But I do care because I start to see what was happening and, and if you, I mean, if you're walking downtown in Loveland or in Fort Collins, maybe not so much Bertha because it's a little gentle, sweet, quiet community <laughs> most of the time. But if you're walking downtown in those areas, you could potentially be in danger. You could potentially have <clears throat> areas that are dirty or the sidewalks are broken and things are happening because nobody cares until it affects them directly. And then it all starts to seep in insidiously. Yep. So I would tend to agree with that. What else did we have on our docket to talk about today? Because I know there were, we had a couple other big topics, and I think that I do, I feel settled about that. How about you? Yeah, okay. yeah. It's uh, so Eric Stewart has been named the interim chief in Loveland. So as oh. as Tyser is stepping down, um, so Eric Stewart, as they're going through the interview process to be able to get a new uh, new chief of police in Loveland, Eric Stewart is taking the helm. Where is he? Is he a local officer? Uh, I believe I, it so. It sounded yeah. like he was. I, yeah, I, I I think I recognize the name. You know, I would hope that whoever's making these decisions is is really weighing what he has up, what he's coming up against, because this is going to be a hard fight. You got to win back the the trust of your people. Well, at this point in time, I think that very similar to how Tyser interviewed for down in Arizona, I think that they should open it up nationwide and bring in an outside chief of police, someone who isn't tainted by the last few years and is able to bring just a new vision. I mean, shoot, it's even it goes back to even the name of our podcast, the Native and the Transplant. Yeah, is you have a different life experience than I do. True. So you're able to see things from a different point of view than I'm able to. And that's where I think that Loveland should take the opportunity to bring in somebody that hasn't been affected by any of this, put him at the helm and allow him to make the changes or her to make the changes that are necessary to bring LPD back to where it should be. Well, and you make a pretty good point there. What I would say is if Eric Stewart is, you know, willing to be open and transparent if he he's interim right now of course you know you got to have somebody at the helm right and maybe he's just there because he was a willing and able participant and says well i don't really want this job but we gotta have somebody leading it for now because i mean you know and you probably want somebody that understands how everything works but i would i would tend to agree with you on that bring in somebody who can look at it from an outsider's perspective and understand the caveats of every little issue that's occurring in the communities. And then we have this, we have somebody that comes in and does that. Then we can actually maybe have a little peace. Yeah. Cause they're peace yeah. officers, right? <laughs> yes, they're supposed to be. But speaking of, of that, uh, we had both of the sheriff's candidates yeah, that was in studio. Awesome. And so they had, nice. yes. So both uh, John Fayen and Jeff Fisher, they were at assembly on Saturday 
So Jeff Fisher took 52% of the vote and John Fan took 48% of the vote. So both of them are going to be on the primary ballot coming up in June. Okay. So, and again, you're, if you are an independent or unaffiliated can or unaffiliated voter, you're able to vote on either primary ballot, but not both. So you can either pick up a Republican primary ballot or a Democrat um, primary ballot and be able to vote in that primary election. The one that caught everybody off guard is we had Austin Hine on. Yes. So, and he is going against Hugh McKean, mm-hmm. the House Minority Leader. Austin Hine took 72% of the vote. Wow. Hugh McKean got 28%. And now Hugh McKean has to get signatures to be on the primary ballot. No kidding. Yes. Wow. I bet Austin's excited about that. Yeah. I bet. He probably did a little jump and dance in the air. I mean, that's a, cause that we, we knew at the point that we were interviewing him that that was going to be a pretty hard battle for him. So obviously he's okay. And this okay. is where it goes back to, it's 500 people in Larimer County are making the decisions on who you're going to vote for. Because they stood up and they paid attention. Correct. If And, and here's the thing. You know what? I've said for years, if you, if you don't vote, you really don't have the right to complain. Obviously to an extent. But <laughs> here's – you've got to pay attention to this stuff because you, no. just like you said, 500 people. And now Hugh McKean has a pretty big fight to, to – go through doesn't he correct yeah if he wants to hold it you're gonna have to try it real hard okay so unexpected so there's been some interesting races that have taken place and especially everything that came out of um out of assembly yeah so and a lot of people don't even understand what assembly is Mm -hmm. i didn't know what it was years ago i did all of this stuff for ron paul and uh, years and years ago but I, i that's when i kind of learned about it but it really was like what is this? Why, I don't, why is this important? And I did not, it just is not something that even, yeah, we learned, learned about it in civics, but like I was paying attention. <laughs> <laughs> but that's why it is important to, to pay attention and to, to be involved and actually run. I mean, shoot, Larimer County has 19 board positions open yeah. right now. 19. <clears throat> Yep. So, and you can be on something even as simple as in the town of Bertha, there's a tree tree committee. You can be as something as simple that doesn't take more than a couple hours a month. You can sit on a tree committee. What do they do? Uh, so they look at overall what trees are going to work best within our climate. Um, so town of Berthoud, where the, the garden state or the garden town of Colorado. Yeah. And um, so the, yeah, they... Pick what what are the invasive types that we don't want in yeah, town yeah. versus cottonwoods. <laughs> what are some of the other trees that we want to have? I don't know the full extent of what they do, but it's something as simple as that board. You know, you can hop on that board. You can hop on a planning commission board. If you're yeah. frustrated with some of the growth and you want to have a little bit more of a say than every two years or every four years – get on one of those volunteer onto one of those boards or committees right? and be engaged if nothing else, I kind of throw it back to fantasy football because everybody knows about fantasy football. Most I don't people understand fantasy football. <laughs> I'm going to be real with you. <laughs> no worries. You don't need to for this analogy. But a majority of people know what fantasy football is, where yeah. you get together and then you draft a bunch of players. Yep. And you play in a league. And Correct. So, like me, I'm a Broncos fan. Love the Broncos. Born and raised in Colorado, I'm a Broncos fan. <clears throat> yep. 
Yeah, yeah. Keep your mouth shut. I understand. <laughs> we have another growing season, but hey, we got Russell Wilson, so I'm I'm gonna chalk that up for a win, hopefully. Well, the Rockies just lost Trevor Story to the Red Sox. Whoop. <laughs> well, yeah, it's because the Rockies are you know the MLB's farm team, so. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Let me let me get back to my analogy. Apologize. Apologize. <laughs> so, but with fantasy football is the moment that you start picking all of these other players off of all of these other teams. Yeah. All of a sudden, you start focusing on what are the other teams are doing. Oh, fair. It opens up your horizon, and you start looking and saying, "Oh, I didn't realize that this team was doing this or that team was doing this." Mm-hmm. So, if you volunteer on one of these boards or committees, all of a sudden it opens you up to to more knowledge that's out there. As far as what is the town doing with this or what is the city doing with this or what are these committees doing? How are we expanding some of this growth and what can we do? How can we work around it? Well, I I would totally agree with that. And that's actually a fantastic analogy because you start to really see what's happening around you. And I think that's when you get involved in politics on a local level. And maybe it is the thing that you're passionate because it's starting to affect you and you have to get in there. And start asking questions. And I think that there that is a very, very healthy thing to do. Very healthy. What's not healthy, though, is what's occurring in the political realm in Loveland with the city council and all of these people stirring this pot and, and behaving in a manner that is unbecoming of adults. It's D.C. brought local. <clears throat> oh, big time. Big time. <laughs> that, that's the easiest way that Gosh. I can explain it. It's D.C. I would agree. brought local. Um, you, you look at – have you been to D.C.? Nope. So with D.C., so it was built on a swamp. That's also the reason literally. why. It was literally built on a swamp. Um, but at the founding, especially with D.C. and where they picked D.C., People are only supposed to be there for a short period of time and then go home. You know, I think it was three months or something that you travel out there and then you go home. And especially with at that point in time, you're riding a train or you're taking a carriage or at the beginning of uh, automobiles and that sort of stuff. It's a trek to get to D.C. Okay, But also being that it's a swamp, it's an uncomfortable place. Go home. Yeah, leave. leave. (laughs) Get the business done here. But now it's constant. Yeah, it's always it's ongoing. And so you have this continuing this continuous swamp that just occurs and many representatives um Tulsi Gabbard, she was on the Joe Rogan podcast recently. Oh yeah, I, I actually started listening to him because I don't always Her. agree. Or no, 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 Joe Rogan. Oh, Joe Rogan, okay. Yeah, because actually I know you got a bad rep, but it, it's actually not a bad show. I can guarantee you that anybody who was complaining against Joe Rogan has never seen or never listened to a single episode of Joe Rogan. Real talk. Yeah. No, (laughs) seriously. But to get back to it, so Tulsi Gabbard was on there and she said that when, when she originally got elected and she was in Congress, she's thinking this is the place where we have our nation. You know, we, we are the precipice of how our nation is going to move forward. And she said it was like high school. That it was worse than high school is you see all the clicks, you see all the people that as soon yeah. as you go into the chamber, you've got this click here, you got this click here. And she said that it was awful. It was being in high school. And so that's why if that's at the highest level of politics within our nation, no yeah. wonder it trickles down. Why wouldn't it be reflective of exactly what's happening here? You know that you make an interesting point. I think what's it's frustrating because, you know, we see in fighting all across the nation, it's like you said earlier, it's, it's really not 
just happening in Loveland. It's just really frustrating because there are a lot of things that we need to get done here. There's a lot of things we need to get done here because if we're really going to have another 400,000 people here in what you just said, 10 years. Yeah. Okay. 400,000 people. I mean, I, I did grow up in Loveland for most of my life. And when we moved here, it was like 25,000 people. Yep. And, and we've talked about this before. I could ride from the old Walmart on Denver Avenue and it wasn't obviously there. That was all fields. And then they built, they built the Metrolux, right? <laughs> it was all fields and you could, I could ride to the highway and I'd still have been safe. Yeah. I, I could, you know, it just, it, it at is. Ten, at 10 years old. So my daughter's 10 right now and I'm comfortable with her riding around here in Bertha. Yeah. If we lived in Loveland still, I wouldn't be comfortable with her riding downtown or any of that stuff. Yeah. My kids weren't allowed to cross 287, 287. So Cleveland or Lincoln, they were not allowed to cross that until about 15 years old, 14, 15 years old. My yeah. son, will, my son navigates it in my, um, but it, it's dangerous. It's dangerous. And we're like trying to build up the infrastructure and we're trying to get our roads taken care of. And there's all these areas that are kind of falling into disarray. City council should be addressing these things directly, but instead they're putting in Cora requests for text messages. Come <laughs> on. I, I don't know. It's just time for someone to be the adult in the room and to, to actually take charge. What needs to happen is all those seats need to be cleared. If they cannot figure this out, you're done. And you can do that through recalls. That's true. And you can do recall elections. But again, at that point in time, then you see the partisan breakdown within the population. Mm -hmm. Because if everybody is just tired of everything that's going on, it's, it's the same reason why with the House of Representatives. House of Representatives has, I think, a 4% approval rate right now, and yet a incumbents – have a 95% success rate. The reason why is because it's not my guy. Yeah. It's everybody else but my guy. Right. And so everybody else is a problem except for my one guy. Well, when you have everybody that has a mentality, mm -hmm. then nobody changes, and it's all the exact same people, and we get to where we're at right now. Uh, I would concur with that. All right, let's get on to some lighter news of good old beer of the week. Darn straight. This is good. Both of them are really good. Yes, and I had never heard of this. This was actually a recommendation um, by one of our listeners. Um, this is a Denver-based brewery. I'm going to let you try and pronounce this because I cannot. I'm going to butcher it. I think it's Cerveceria Colorado. And it, um, I am starting out with the Senor Pina. And I actually, I think it's Senor Pina. Um, Before you dive into that, so oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. say that name again. Um, I'm going to try Cerveceria Colorado. Cerveceria Colorado. And so they're kind of what they talk about is uh, they believe uh, Colorado believes beer is inclusive, collaborative, and celebratory. We seek to honor the traditions, flavors, and culture of Mexico by utilizing traditional Mexican ingredients, flavors, and processes to create innovative styles of beer. Our beer is brewed to be shared with family and neighbors and to build bridges, not walls in our communities. I mean, that's a nice little vision statement. Yeah. All right. So I am drinking this in Europina, and it is a pineapple blondale. Um, it is a fruity tropical dream with fresh pineapple smooth or fresh pineapple smooth and easy drinking. It is 5% alcohol by alcohol by volume. Please recycle, amigos. That's cute. <laughs> uh, this is good. It's good beer. 
it doesn't, I really didn't read the description before we opened it up and started drinking. And I was like, oh, that's cool. I, I was kind of expecting like a, I don't know, pina colada or something, which I'm really glad I didn't get. <laughs> uh, it is good. It's, it's fresh. I would equate this to like a pineapple shandy. Yeah. Is how I would, I would label this one. It's good. And again, the thing that I, I'm lucky that we don't have a whole lot of fruity beers on the podcast. Um, because I hate the metallic of the, of the, uh, the manufactured. So the, yeah. The, the false. synthetic almost yeah. taste Ugh, of a lot of fruity beers, um, where it's just that fake flavoring. Yeah. This doesn't have it at all. It doesn't. We're, and I would equate it. I, you know, I understand that it's a blonde ale, but I would, I would go with it. it's almost a, a pineapple shandy. It's a pretty good description, honestly, but it is, this is, this is a beach hammock beer. Yes. Oh yeah. Oh, you know what? I got to go on vacation. <laughs> <laughs> Don't we all? Don't we all? Yeah, but it is, it is really good. So what's so, our next one? And then the other one that we had is the churro stout. So this is a stout with cinnamon and vanilla. The flavors, uh, flavors of one of Mexico's favorite treats made with cinnamon and vanilla beans. It's 6% alcohol by volume. This one's good. I, I was a, a little bit taken back as far as, okay, how's this stout going to play out? It's You're drinking a churro. <laughs> it's got a, almost just a little chocolatey taste to it, too. It, if you can imagine a fresh churro with a, a, a chocolate syrup over the top of it. You hit the nail on the head. <laughs> so have you been – it's Comet Chicken that's downtown that's – is that what it is? Cos, Com, Comet. Comet Chicken. I have yet to go to it. Okay. They have these fresh churros. That will rock your world. They are so good. And they bring them out hot. And they're just, they melt in your mouth. And this is very reminiscent of that. So good. And that, you know, I'm not always a huge fan of vanilla. I like vanilla flavoring, but the smell gives me an instant headache. And if you got too much fake vanilla flavor in there, I don't want anything to do with it. No. And this does not. It's It's, it's smooth. Both of them, I would say, are very clean, would be how I would yeah. describe it. It's just clean flavors, nothing nothing that tastes artificial or gives you that artificial kind of yeah. metallic flavor, anything of that sort. Um, I'm, I'm blown away by these and drinking them. I am too, actually. I, I would highly encourage you to pick up a, uh, a six-pack. Where I was able to find them was North Star Liquor. Oh, nice. Um, okay. That is right by Shields. Out of well, thirty four twenty five, they have been a bastion of beer. They've been a great place to <laughs> yes, find. You know what I mean? They've they've been a great place to find some really good stuff. And actually, um, if you need anything from them too, you can order anything from them. If they can get it, they will get it for you, and they'll bring it in and they'll start carrying it for you. So I, I did that with um, Magnum Cider. In, uh, it's from Ireland, but they, I can't remember the name I wrote down, but they changed the name when they brought it to the States. And so here mm. I was just devastated that I couldn't have this cider that I fell in love with over, over in Ireland. <laughs> and the guy was like, well, yeah, but that's because it's called this. And I was like, what? You know that you're my favorite person. But yeah, I, I, I've been very impressed. So, um, Cerveceria Colorado. Yeah. That's awesome. If you haven't given them a try, I highly encourage you to. Because both of the beers that we tried tonight are fantastic. And what was the ABV on the churro? Uh, that's 6%. 6%. I, I wasn't sure if I heard you say that. I'm sorry. Oh, you're good. So, yeah, definitely um, yeah, definitely give them a try. Nice. So, awesome. Well, 
it's good catching up and, and, you know, not having a guest. It was a little bit different, kind of back to our tr- more traditional shows. Yeah, get some good banter in there. Uh, <laughs> do we have anything special coming up next week? Yes, we do. Tell me about so it. So we do have a gentleman by the name of Dr. Eric, and I I got his last name, but I'll just say Dr. Eric at this point, um, that he is part of our motivational series. So we've had a, a handful of them. So we had Daniel Snyder, we had Matt Schaup, and now Dr. Eric is going to be on. And he's dealing more with um, dealing with motivation and dealing with how to overcome the obstacles within your life okay. and how to uh, kind of take a different look about yourself and how you can improve yourself. Well, that actually, I'm I'm really looking forward to that because I have to tell you, um, I love when we have guests that are passionate and angry, and you know we had Kane on, and <laughs> yeah. um, but and I love that. I think it's awesome, and we have some debates and things like that. But it, it this this series on some, it, this is really kind of some self care, honestly. Yeah. Well, we had talked at the beginning uh, of this year on how are we going to do this season a little bit differently, and that's pardon me. That was when we kind of had the discussion of about once a month, let's do a motivational one. Yeah. Uh, just somebody local within our community that's doing something fantastic. Yeah. And that we just need to get the word out on. Well, it's kind of like the nine who cares, you know, Yeah. that this is sort of a, it, but they always bring these really interesting perspectives. And I, I am so looking forward to that. I'm going to come to the <laughs> table with questions. Yes, indeed. <laughs> so, and he's got a, a doctorate in economics, which he said that when he was in his mid thirties, he got bored and went back to school and got his doctorate in economics. And I'm like, how bored do you have to be to go back to school to get a doctorate in economics? But he's got a, a, a a fantastic project that he's working on that he's going to be sharing with us. So. I am pumped. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Jen, as always, I am your native, Alex Johnson. And I am your transplant, Jen Bright. We'll see you next week. Take care. Bye.